0: Hey! Kids, you like violence?
1: It's time for that drummer guy.
0: That drummer guy. That drummer guy. That drummer guy. That drummer guy.
2: Yeah.
1: Two hours of the best in heavy music today.
0: He's like, I have a radio show. Go listen. I'm like, okay. This guy loves
3: number eight heavy metal. The list of names he interviews is insane. Each one seems to be better than the last.
1: He makes me call him that drummer guy in the bedroom too. Right here, right now.
2: Right here with that drummer guy. It's metal, metal, metal. Up your. That's
1: one more thing to regret later cheers hey everybody this is that drama guy and i'm here to present you two hours of the best and heavy music today this week i'm featured three brand new interviews from the likes of pure reason revolution cabal and michael Alago. but first we're going to start off with the lightest interview i've done in quite some time with the band pure reason revolution Let's talk about the brand new album upnia which is coming out this friday through inside out music in this interview i talked to john courtney talking about that album re-emerging as a band upcoming plans which hopefully will happen after everything blows over and so much more but before we get into the interview i'll be playing the band's first single since reuniting silent genesis off the 2020 album upnia followed by my interview with john courtney of pure and revolution, followed by the band's new single, New Obsession, also off the 2020 album, Eupnea. I Hi Josh. Hi, how's it going?
4: Good, how are
1: you? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to do this interview. No
4: problem. Pleasure.
1: Uh, oh, awesome. Well, it's uh, great to be able to do this, uh, especially for an album that I never knew if there was going to be anything new coming from Pure Reason Revolution, and I'm so happy to uh-huh. see that there is a new album here with UPN. Okay. Great.
4: So it was a pleasant surprise for
1: you. That's good. Oh, absolutely. I mean, being a huge fan of the original albums and, uh, of course, uh, everything going its different ways at the beginning of the last decade, I mean, I'm glad to see in 2020 that uh, you did Resurrect Pure Reason Revolution and just made a stellar album out of it.
4: Oh, great. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, not a problem.
1: So, with that in mind, how did this whole writing process begin for the new album?
4: Um uh, right, let's rewind a little bit. So I I did this project Bullet Height and after sort of the al- we'd, the album had come out, we'd done like a little bit of touring in the UK, a few shows in Germany. And then after that it got to the point of well what what happens now? And then it was sort of well I suppose it's time to make another another Bullet Height record. But at that time I sort of wasn't wasn't too sure, didn't have much direction, wasn't too sure what to do. So I took a bit of a break from music, I'd say perhaps six-month break. And then when I did sort of venture back into the studio, it's the this, this sort of material that was coming out sounded more progressive, and it sounded more, more like Puri's and Revolution uh, than it did Bullet Height. So as the demos produced, as the demos progressed, again, it sounded more and more like Puries and Revolution. So that's when I sort of messaged Chloe, because I thought, if this is going to be Pure and Revolution, then, you know, I need to have Chloe on board. Um, and so I sent her a message and said, can we meet in London? She said yes. I put the idea to her, and she said yes. So then it was sort of like, yeah pure revolution was reborn really
1: oh and it's it's so great to see that it did turn out that way too you know just having it be organic and just where your mind was at at the time and just coming up with these songs and just having it be natural because that's the real reason to bring a band back is because it's something that you want to be able to create again
4: exactly yeah so it was just this you know naturally in the studio there was no sort of like preconceived ideas let's make it sound like this let's make it sound like that it just yeah it was what naturally happened at the time at the crossroads that that we were at so yeah
1: Oh, and again, it's just, it's so fantastic to see it happen, too, because it, when I keep listening to Upnia, it just sounds like you never left. I mean, it feels like such a great natural progression uh, for the band and being able to take things that I love so much about the previous albums, but mixing it together, making it modernized, and it just, it sounds like such a natural progression for the band.
4: Yeah, yeah, I think with, I think, you know, Upnia sounds... Closest to uh, the dark third than than the rest of the records, but um, I think at the same time you know it has new surprises on there. I think it sounds like a a twenty twenty record. It doesn't sound <clears throat> so. It sounds like you know it it sounds updated. Of course, there's similarities you know with songwriting, um, but yeah, I think we sort of progress things and yeah and hopefully people will like the they'll, yeah they'll get the similarities that they had on the previous record but you know be pleasantly surprised at the same time
1: oh very much so so with that in mind i mean what was it like to actually be back into the studio writing uh, and recording again for pure reason revolution
4: Um, yeah, it was really, it was a really nice process. I'd say it was probably about a year from sort of the demos to the getting the finished masters back. But, um, I had, so I had a bit of time by myself in the studio and then, um, collaborated with Greg Young. So he was the original guitarist from Pure Reason Revolution. He's actually based in Portland, Oregon. And I mentioned the notion of pure reason again to him and he loved it, so he he came over to Berlin for a couple of weeks and we worked on a couple of tracks. So I had, I already had a sort of primitive demo of New Obsession. And we sort of built up that into a full production, um, you know, pretty quickly. And then the next main track we worked on was "Silent Genesis." And with this track, we both just, you know, sat down. Neither of us had any sort of ideas about what key it was going to be or anything like that, or any preconceived ideas. We just both sat down with a couple of guitars in front of the keyboards, and then just just started working on this track. And within a few days, we had, you know, a full arrangement for that. Um, And it was just a really exciting collaboration. We'd not worked together for 15 years or more, but it was really sort of creative fireworks. Um, then we got the, the song over to Chloe very quickly, and she put vocals on it. And then it, that's when it started sounding like Pure Reason Revolution was back. Oh,
1: that's just incredible! <laughs> and what a great yeah. the first song to be able to show uh, the comeback of Pure Reason yeah. Revolution too. Then Heaven's Silent Genesis. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it was just incredible to be able to hear this ten minute plus song released as the first taste of the, the album coming out.
4: Yeah, yeah. And we wanted, you know, we wanted to sort of make a statement that we're back. We are, you know, we're. A aggressive rock band and you know here we are again so it was <laughs> sort of like yeah let's make this this bold statement as a 10 minute track here you go
1: and funny enough uh, just a few hours ago it was it was great to see that new obsession actually got released as a single as well
4: yeah So that's, uh, yeah, that's the next track and the build-up, it's the the album, we've got another month till the album's out, so, yeah, this is the next one to sort of hopefully keep people, uh, yeah, keep people interested until the album comes out, and so I think it was another sort of, a bit of a surprise, because there was sort of no mention of it, and then, yeah, it just got released today, so, yeah.
1: Oh, totally, and th- that in particular with New Obsession, I think that's such a stellar way to be able to start off the album as well, too. I mean, it's just it feels like a great beginning track to the album, and then having it flow into Silent Genesis, uh, with it being the first single, but yeah. also the second track off the album, it, w- it was a good mix.
4: Yeah, 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 no, and it's... Um, <clears throat> I think for me, when, when they, we were in the last couple of months of doing the album, it was... I knew that New Obsession was going to be the first track and, yeah, sort of gave it this sort of atmospheric intro. And on there, you've got some of these beeps um, and some of these heartbeat things, which, which come from the hospital. So, yeah
1: oh totally and yeah I mean the other four tracks on the album too I mean it, it, it's a great collection of songs that are going on here and you know just seeing things end off with uh, with, with the longest song from Pure Reason Revolution uh, the title track of Ubnia. I mean that yeah. is an, another amazing way to be able to close out uh, this new chapter of the band I mean what a great song <laughs>
4: Yeah no it was um <laughs> it was certainly a challenge to to finish that track and i think when i when i sent we had the guy um daniel bergstrand do the mixing and when i sent him the amount of files for this track he was almost in tears i think because there was, I think it was it must have been in the hundreds really with the tracks and he did really well to sort of pull it all together um <laughs> yeah so he deserves an award for for mixing that track in itself.
1: <laughs> and, and what was that like for you when you finally got the the final product back and you were able to listen to the songs in their full form?
4: Uh, it was great. There's always a few times when you're making a record, you know, you have these ups and downs, it ebbs and flows. Some days you think you've created the best thing ever, then other days you're sort of in total despair thinking, am I ever going to be able to finish this? Um So, yeah, like I said, some days you feel like you've got the whole world in your hands thinking, this is great, this is going to be brilliant. And then, yeah, other days you're, you're contemplating scrapping the whole thing. So when you've actually put it all together, you've managed to segue some of the songs, you've done all the vocals, you've sort of, yeah, you finally finished. It was a great feeling to to get it all back, listen to it in one thing and think, yeah, wow, I've actually completed it. Um, I'm proud of this. We're proud of this. Let's see what people think now.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's, again, I'm just so happy to see that this album did come to fruition, too, because there are so many trials and tribulations that go into being in a band, being in music in general. And just like you said, you have those days where you just want to be able to scrap everything and either come up with a new idea or even be done with music. You know, there's so many different directions that can happen. But when you have those moments where you realize that things are going the direction that it's supposed to go, you end up with an album like this. And again, I'm just, I'm so happy to see the way it, it turned out because this is an amazing album and you know if this kind of creativity is going on now i can't wait to see what's going to happen in the future
4: yeah well thank you very much yeah and I, you know we do want to we want to get into more of a well we certainly don't want to wait another 10 years for an album <laughs> um but we'd like to get into more of a cycle of you know let's get get recording again let's let's get playing live and you know we'd like to to, to be able to release an album every two years and Keep things keep things going. Keep keep momentum to it. Um, you know, it's been difficult in the past when we sort of changed labels and things like that. And but now things feel stable, and we've got a really good creative um, setup with Chloe and you know Greg involved as well. So yeah we're sort of a really exciting creative time and we've got a great label with inside out really supportive label which is which is incredible really um, so we're, you know and we've got a good a good fan base that's that's got a really nice sort of spread across across the world really so yeah let's see what happens next
1: oh totally and uh, with that uh, exciting times and the creative moments that are uh, going throughout the band you know i'd love seeing that creativity also going through the album cover as well because i really mm-hmm. love the way this turned out i mean the use of the colors <laughs> i mean you know so much of it being black with uh, the art but uh, being able to see the colors uh, used yeah. with that and s- with a great creativity that's going on there like how did that idea come yeah. from to use that
4: so it came about through, let me think, the album cover. So lots of the lyrical content comes from an era that was just after my my daughter was born. So she was born very early. She was born at 32 weeks, and she went straight into intensive care. <clears throat> and then we had lots of ups and downs in this month, this first month basically of her being alive in, in the hospital. We had days where things went well, and then days when things went badly. And the main thing was she couldn't breathe properly, so they had to sort of put special, she had to put this surfactant into her lungs to spring open her lungs. And we had to have this a couple of times. Uh, And it was, yeah, it was a very testing, sort of crazy emotional time. She's now a, a very healthy two and a half year old, but at the time we didn't know how things were gonna turn out. So one night when I was staying late in the hospital, I had my hand in her incubator and I was just holding her. And one of the nurses came over to me and she said uh, she's strong like a little lion. She'll make it through. And that night when I got home late, I was flicking through social media like you do. And I saw this picture. And it was this, um, I am real, I am not real, by my friend, Jill Doherty. Uh, It was this painting that you see on the album cover. And it just really connected with me that day because of what the nurse had said a few hours earlier. I then saw this lion, and to me it was a lion breathing um, sort of over this precipice. And I just loved the painting because it also showed such detail and such skill that I was blown away by that as well. You know, if you look at the lion's mane, it's just incredible skill in the, in the painting. So I also like that. I thought that, you know, not only did it have this, this connection with what had been said that day, but also just loved the, you know, the craftsmanship as well from Jill in the painting. So, so as sort of the album, uh, progressed i then you know spoke to jill and i said jill you know i'd I'd love to use this painting that i've talked to you about before and she said yeah definitely you know use it for the for the album cover so we finally got sort of the rights to use it and yeah so then we it just became i never had any question about was the album cover going to be anything else it was always it had to be this for me right from the start so and then we finally got it so it was really nice that it came together
1: Wow. And that, that's just incredible. I mean, the timing of that, too. I mean, from uh, going yeah. from the hospital and then being able to go home and see something that would be such a great representation of where you were going to go musically. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just like, it's amazing how the world can work like that. And it's just so cool yeah. to be able to see the way it turned out like that.
4: Yeah, definitely. It was, it was really um, sort of, <laughs> yeah, very, don't know, hit me with huge impact that day. So yeah, it was great.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to be looking at that with more uh, emotion and impact behind that now, too, especially knowing that. (laughs) And, you know, along with all of this that's going on right now, I mean, uh, now being on Inside Out, having an amazing new album uh, coming out next month through Inside Out, uh, it's great to see that there's actually a couple shows that are being lined up in July. It's great to see that you guys are uh, taking a weekend to be able to actually reform in the live setting.
4: Yeah, we've got... At the moment, we just have these two festivals. We've got Night of the Prague in Germany, followed by a show in Maidstone in Kent, uh, in the UK. And then, at the moment, we're having booked a tour for October, which is going to be sort of throughout Europe. I think it's about 10 shows. Um, yeah, so that's... I think that will be announced shortly, This the October tour. Oh, that's but hopefully hopefully at some point we'll make it over to the states as well
1: oh i'd love to see that happen too but you know un- until that happens i'm just glad to see that these uh shows are being lined up a tour's coming up on here because this is an album that it, it there's some songs on there that i think are just going to sound exceptional live and it's going to be able to be great to be able to hear those songs and then be able to hear uh, the previous uh pure reason revolution songs as well i mean it's great to be able to see all this happening
4: yeah, no, we're really looking forward to playing them and I think also <clears throat> it'll be fun, you know, adding adding a mix of the old material as well. So we're just at the moment we're trying to work out, yeah, what <laughs> which tracks we're gonna pick, um, for the set because yeah, there's there's four albums of songs now. So yeah. But we're looking forward to it definitely
1: so with that in mind I mean obviously with uh, booking these shows and trying to pick out the songs that are going to be played in that live setting what's it like going back to the previous material and listening to those songs and deciding what should make it into the set list <laughs>
4: I don't know. Um, maybe we'll just we'll just cheat and we'll just have a look at like Apple Music or Spotify and see which are the most popular. Then we'll just play those. No, we won't really do that. We'll <laughs> we'll be more creative than that. I don't know. I guess it will be a mix of thinking which ones are our favourites to play uh, and which ones yeah which ones are the fan favourites as well. Um, and I think we'll just we'll just make a a good mix. Uh obviously we're gonna be, you know, keen to play a chunk of this new stuff from Muteneer. Um but then also, you know, we'll play a good bit of the Dark Third as well and then a mix a mix from the other two albums as well. So I'll be yeah, we're looking forward to sort of yeah, creating the set list I think is yeah, it'll be fun.
1: Oh, awesome and I think with that I think that's an amazing note to end on as well uh, thank you so very much for uh, taking this time to be able to talk to me about everything that's going on in your world right now and of course uh, the new album Pleasure. from Pure Reason Revolution Uppnea, uh, coming out April 3rd through Inside Out Music I love this album I'm so excited to see the band come back the way that it has uh, the, the fact that shows are being lined up possibly something over here in the States too but you know things are just yeah. coming out naturally in a great progression and it was great to be able to talk to you about all of it
4: Great. Thanks very much, Josh. A pleasure to talk to you.
1: To the show you just got done here in pure reason revolution with New obsession off the 2020 album eupnia which is coming out this friday through inside out music and before that was my interview with Pure Reason Revolution's John Courtney. And before that, starting off the show this week was Pure Reason Revolution with Silent Genesis. Off the 2020 album, yupnia Coming up now, we're going from the more lighter side of what I've done for the show in recent times to some of the most heavy I've done on the show. You never know what you're gonna get. And we're gonna go with my interview with the band Cabal to talk about the brand new album, Drag Me Down, which is coming out this Friday through Long Branch Records. In this interview, I talk to Andres Parup to talk about everything you need to know about this Brand new album, What It Was Like to Tour America for the Very First Time Right Before This Pandemic, Upcoming Plans If Everything Goes Back to Normal, and so much more. But before we get into it, I'll be playing some Cabal, with first song being Bitter Friend, featuring Matt Heffy of Trivium, off the 2020 album Drag Me Down. Following that will be my interview with Andres from Cabal, and before that will be Cabal with Drag Me Down, featuring Jamie Hales of Northlight, also off the 2020 album Drag Me Down.
2: Close the open booth This name is off. This name is now Rebirth the nervous
1: Not a problem. And uh, I'm glad to be able to do this and uh, talk about this uh, great album, Drag Me Down, coming out next Friday.
5: Yeah, I'm glad you (laughs) like (laughs) this.
1: Oh, absolutely. So uh, with all this in mind and under the circumstances, how does it feel having this album coming out next Friday?
5: Uh, It feels kind of surreal just because we've been working on it for two years. So it's it's weird that the day that we finally get to unveil it to the world is actually next week. (laughs) Yeah. So, but I was excited,
1: so. yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something to look forward to in these times and it's a great album as well and I think it totally matches the mood of what's going on right now with uh, the extremes, that, the breakdowns that's going on with it and just everything that's going along with it. I mean, there's a lot of anger and aggression that's going on in the world right now and this seems to perfectly fit that.
5: Yeah, the whole Doomsday vibe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I agree. <laughs> so, uh, with that in mind, uh, uh, like you said, uh, you've been winning uh, two years uh, f- along with this album. How did the songwriting process begin for this album?
5: Um, the way we write songs is that we actually we're so lucky that like Chris, our guitarist, is actually a producer as well. Like that's what he does. Like his full-time job is producing metal, so he has his own studio. So, what happened? Like, uh like writing process that we always had is like him sitting in the studio coming up with like with demos for songs and sending them to us and we all like come up with come with feedback and send it back to him and work on them together uh, so that's what we did for like two maybe a year for this one It's like constantly like simultaneously with doing everything else so it will be this songwriting process always going on. Uh, And that's, like, what we did for a long time with this record. And then there was, like, all the stuff, getting music videos done, getting the artwork done, and getting all of, like, the boring stuff, like, the office work behind it, like, done that took almost, like, a year.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, I can just imagine with all that time, you know, being able to sit on these songs, and and now with people being able to finally hear them, and uh, uh, before all this, being able to hear it in the live setting, I mean... uh, what was that like, uh, being able to come over here and uh, pre-promote the album uh, uh, here in the states before all this happened?
5: It was, it was really amazing. It was a really, really good tour. It was our first time we were playing in the states, so that's always something we always. That's something we always wanted to do. Uh, so it's kind of like a dream come true. And it was like an experience. It's like an adventure. And we had like met so many cool people and like played a lot of really really cool shows. So couldn't really ask for more. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that it was good circumstances before all this happened, and there was such uh, great yeah. touring that was going on because it seemed like it was such a great package to be able to see you guys on here for the first time.
5: Yeah, we were really stoked getting to play with all the other guys, I and mean, like, we like became great friends with the guys from Ingested and Visceral and Last 10 Segments of Life, like all like really really good musicians, and all also like more importantly to us, like really, really good dudes. So we just like hung, hung out with them for a month and like had fun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's totally what matters too. When you're you're going out on tour, when you're when you are able to tour with great people, that just can make the touring experience so much better.
5: Yeah, definitely. Like, it's you have to like hang out with these people every day for more than a month. Like, so liking each other is like really really nice. Actually, having fun with it is like the best thing ever.
1: Oh, totally. And, you know, thinking back on the album again, you know, it's just, like, it's so great to see uh, that this album did come together uh, the way that it did. And you actually got some really cool people to be able to guest on this album. How did that happen?
5: Oh, uh, it's, like, turns out that all of these cool people like our little band and wanted to do it. Uh, Matt from Trivium, uh, we met at this, we played this festival called Copendal. and, uh, but was also playing, and he just approached us and was like, Hey, aren't you the Cabal guys? And we like totally starstruck and like, Oh shit, aren't you guys from Trivium? And we ended up hanging out with him for the day and uh, just like, he's such a nice dude and like really easygoing. We just asked him if he wanted to like jump on a song, and he did. Uh, yeah, and Jamie from Polaris just like wrote us on Instagram one day, like asking about some merch and thought his name looked familiar. familiar i found out it was like that jamie so it's just like uh ask him like if you want to be in a song at some point and he did and then they came by copenhagen with north lane and we had him in the studio and uh, we had kim from mill it's actually like one of our really really good friends he he actually did the artwork from uh, for mark a previous album and he's also a great vocalist so it kind of like just made a lot of sense to give him a spot on the album as well
1: oh that that's just incredible to see uh three bands like that that are so different from each other being able to guest on an album like this and really show off the diversity of sound that's going on
5: yeah that's also like one of the most exciting parts about having these features is like but on the last record, we had CJ from The Artist "Murder" and Philip from Human's "Last Breath," which they like. They made a lot of sense because they're like playing music that sounds a lot like us. But with these these other guys like triv like neither Trivium, Polaris, or Metal sounds in like anything like us. So it was really cool having these guys from like vastly different metal bands, like adding their like flair to each song.
1: Oh, very much so so um with that in mind i mean being able to have guests like this on this album in particular i mean how hard was it being able to decide what singles were going to be released from the album before it came out
5: uh, we had a lot of fights about that but i, I feel like uh, we just like tried to put us into like a listener's place like thinking about like okay which songs is like most easy digestible because like a single is basically a promotion to, um, to want to be able to like reach as many people as possible. So we try to like uh, just, like yeah just figure out which of our songs would probably be the easiest to get into for somebody who doesn't know us, and, Like pick singles from that.
1: Yeah, and that's actually a really smart way to go about it, too. And when you can get people hooked on those songs that are, th- that are the easiest to get into, then they check out the rest of the album, and then they just have their Same. mind explode about what's going on with the rest of the album.
5: Exactly. And that's, that's the idea, just like trying to lure as many people in as you can with the singles, so they'll listen to the entire album.
1: Oh, totally. And I'm, I'm so glad that it did uh, turn out that way too. because uh, from what I've been seeing online when it comes to the singles and everything that's going along with that, there seems to be so much great positive reception in this album, and I'm glad to see that
5: yeah it really is it's, it's super nice also because like making a sophomore album is just like there's a lot more pressure now because we actually have people waiting for it like actually have a fan base now so it's just like really really nice seeing that they actually like it
1: yeah and again that's another reason why i am so happy this is coming out uh during these dark times that are going on right now because again like i mentioned before i mean it does sound like it's a great soundtrack to this doomsday feeling that's going on <laughs> in the world right now and the fact that you were able to actually get some touring in uh, here in the States for the first time before all of this happened so what's what's happening now with you guys I mean now that everything's uh, in quarantine Uh,
5: yeah like our release party for the album had to be moved so we were planning on like Releasing the album on the 3rd of April and then having a release party on 10. But now we actually had to move it all the way into August just to make sure that it doesn't get cancelled. And like basically everything we planned like to do, we had like a lot of cool stuff coming up this spring, but everything is cancelled and moved. So right now it's just like focusing on getting the album, like getting ready for the release, and then just like preparing for what will hopefully be a really good autumn if everything has returned to normal.
1: Yeah, and I really hope that that does happen too for a multitude <laughs> of reasons, but a Especially uh, in this case here, you know, uh, being able to promote the album in that live setting and, you know, just having that feeling of everything getting back to normal.
5: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Just, like, being able to do all the stuff I like doing again.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's such a strange feeling of uh, feeling like you can't go outside and a, a lot of sensationalism and a, a, a lot of <laughs> real things that are going on along with that, too. I mean, from left, right, yeah. and center, just what what's going on in the world right now? I never thought we would live through something like this.
5: No, it's a kind of wild. Like, I think it's the first, like, global pandemic that's been maybe ever because, like, we had, like, pandemics and, and we had like the spanish flu and stuff like that around i think it was like around world war one but that's like mostly in europe from what i've like read so also, but now we have like us flying like the world is so connected that shit like this spreads all over the world now so this was like a new situation for everybody nobody's been in this situation before
1: yeah and you know thankfully with uh, technology and the way that we do have things now we are able to connect to so many people our uh, friends and family and uh, in your case uh, be- uh, the fans and being able to stay connected with them uh, you know like uh, through releasing the album and you know everything going forward so at least we're not completely in the dark with each
5: other oh that's nice that we have that at least it also like allows a lot of people to keep the job and like work from home and even though there's like, there is, like serious economic consequences amongst like other bad banks but like luckily a lot of people can like sustain themselves that way
1: oh very much so I I know uh uh, people, both uh, family and friends, that are thankfully able to work from home to be able to do their things, and uh, other people that are uh, essential workers that are uh, working, uh, like in uh, grocery stores and hospitals, that are uh, dealing with this stuff going on every single day. And you know, it's again, it's just, it, yeah. After all of this happens, the repercussions of what can happen worldwide. You know, it's just, it's a horrible thing to think about, but. You know, in the meantime, as long as we can just try to be safe and sound, and just uh, hopefully being able to get out of this on the other side is uh, the first mission.
5: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I, I believe that we'll get through this and, like, return to some semblance of normal and not, not too long, but...
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to believe that as well, too, and I really hope that that... Uh, does happen, you know, relatively soon, you know, all things considered, and, you know, just getting back to that uh, at least somewhat normal again, but at least until then we got some amazing music that's been coming out in 2020, and you know, next week, again, with uh, uh, with Cabal being able to release Drag Me Down through Long Branch Records, I mean, this album almost feels like essential listening right now to, like, m- match so many emotions that's going on in the world right now, and, you, you know, again... Yeah despite everything that's going on I'm glad to see that this is still coming out and still being able to be there for fans both new and old
5: yeah I'm glad too it's just like it would been so horrible if we didn't get to release it because of all of this like I know that's like uh like a small problem, but still, so, like it means a lot to us that we still get to do this and that we hopefully get to play some shows again and not too long.
1: Oh, very much so, and you know, I'm hoping that that happens for you and, of course, uh, everyone else in the music scene that's going on as well too. You, you know, it's just it's just amazing to see it how many people are affected by all of this and when all of this does eventually go away, I mean that feeling of being able to go back and go to shows again, play shows again, it's going to be such an incredible feeling.
5: Yeah, you really get to like uh, yeah, to see what you're missing out on like you really like, start to appreciate all the shit that you just like kind of took, took for granted but just like stuff that seems normal like that you can't do now it's just like, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely but... Yeah. And, you know, just again, you know, going back full circle with this again, you know, it's like I am so happy to see this thing come out. I mean, you know, from start to finish, it is such a great album to listen to. And the fact that it has been uh, worked on for a couple years now and, uh, you know, the fact that it is finally coming out next week through such a great record label as Long Branch Records and, you know, just seeing everything go along that way. I'm I'm looking forward to see what's going to be happening in the future as long as everything gets back to normal with you guys. And you know, being able to come back over here to the states and being able to hit new areas that you weren't able to hit the first time, like uh, my area. I'd love to be able to see you guys uh, make it to my area next time and you know, Which just area uh, is- be able to uh Minnesota. Oh,
5: yeah, no, we weren't in Minnesota actually. That is true. Oh, you I were, yeah, yeah, we weren't in Minnesota. That's actually true, but we'd love to come by at some point
1: oh i i didn't realize it actually hit minnesota like i was looking for tour dates and i actually didn't see it
5: i don't think we hit minnesota
1: yeah okay yeah but yeah just like i was saying i i hope that that does happen again because i just imagine that you guys put on such a killer live show
5: we try at least try to bring like a lot of energy into our shows um, just like to move around a lot and be engaging with the crowd be like in, what's it called like the same that eye hide or eyesight just like it'll be in your face and like still inviting like people to participate
1: oh very cool and yeah I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to that as well too and just uh, you know everything getting back to normal like that and you know I think that's a, a good note to end on as well too uh, thank you so much for uh, taking this time you know uh, uh, a busy day on your end but uh, thank you very much for taking the time to be able to do this talk about this brief. Uh, Brand new album coming out next week through Long Branch Records. I love this thing, and it was great to be able to talk to you about it—the uh, state of the world right now and everything that's going on in your world right now.
5: Yeah, it's a pleasure being being on the show, man.
1: Oh, not a problem. Uh, before we wrap things up, is there anything else you'd like to mention that I hadn't brought up yet?
5: Uh, no. I would just like to tell everybody to make sure to listen to our new album and buy it if you have the money for it <laughs> these days.
1: Oh, not a problem. And uh, I'm glad to be able to do this and uh, talk about this uh, great album, Drag Me Down, coming out next Friday.
5: Yeah, I'm glad you like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. So uh, with all this in mind and under the circumstances, how does it feel having this album coming out next Friday?
5: Uh, it's, it feels kind of surreal uh, just because we've been working on it for two years. So it's, it's weird that like, the day that we finally get to like, unveil it to the world is actually next week. <laughs> Yeah. So, but I'm also excited, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely something to look forward to in these times, and it's a great album as well. And I think it totally matches the mood of what's going on right now with uh, the extremes, the the breakdowns that's going on with it, and just everything that's going along with it. I mean, there's a lot of anger and aggression that's going on in the world right now, and this seems to perfectly fit that.
5: Yeah, the whole doomsday vibe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, i agree <laughs> <laughs> so uh with that in mind uh, uh like you said uh, you've been winning uh two years uh f- along with this album how did the songwriting process begin for this album
5: um, the way we write songs is that we actually we're so lucky that like chris our guitarist is actually a producer as well like that's what he does like his full-time job is producing metal so he has his own studio so what happened like uh like Writing process that we always had is like him sitting in the studio, coming up with like with demos for songs and sending them to us, and we all like come up with come with feedback and send it back to him and work on them together. Uh, so that's what we did for like two maybe a year for this one. Just like constantly, like simultaneously with doing everything else, so there'll be this songwriting process always going on. Uh, and that's, like, what we did for a long time with this record. And then there was, like, all the stuff, getting music videos done, getting the artwork done, and getting all of, like, the boring stuff, like, the office work behind it, like, done. That took almost, like, a year.
1: Oh, yeah. And, you know, I can just imagine with all that time, you know, being able to sit on these songs, and and now with people being able to finally hear them, and uh, uh, before all this, being able to hear it in the live setting, I mean, oh... Uh, what was that like uh, being able to come over here and uh, pre-promote the album uh, uh, here in the states before all this happened?
5: It was, it was really amazing. It was a really really good tour. It was our first time we were playing in the states so that's always something we always that's something we always wanted to do. Uh, so it's kind of like a dream come true and it was like an experience it's like an adventure. And we had like met so many cool people and like played a lot of really really cool shows so couldn't really ask for more. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that it was good circumstances before all this happened, and there was such uh, great yeah. touring that was going on because it seemed like it was such a great package to be able to see you guys on here for the first time.
5: Yeah, we were really stoked getting to play with all the other guys. I mean, like we became great friends with the guys from Majestic and Visceral and Last 10 segments of Life, like all like really really good musicians and Also, like more importantly to us, like really really good dudes. So we just like hung, hung out with them for a month and like had fun. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's totally what matters too. When you're you're going on on tour, when you're when you are able to tour with great people, that just can make the touring experience so much better.
5: Yeah, definitely. Like, it's you have to like hang out with these people every day for one month. Like, so liking each other is like really really nice. Actually, having fun with it is like the best thing ever.
1: Oh, totally. And, you know, thinking back on the album again, you know, it's just like, it's so great to see uh, that this album did come together uh, the way that it did. And you actually got some really cool people to be able to guest on this album. How did that happen?
5: Uh it's like, turns out that all of these cool people like our little band and wanted to do it. Uh, Matt from Trivium, uh, we met at this, we played this festival called Copendall, uh of Trivium also playing and he just approached us and was like hey aren't you the Cabal guys and we like Tony Starstruck and like oh shit aren't you guys from Trivium and went up hanging out with him for the day and uh, just like he's such a nice dude and like really easygoing just asked him if he wanted to like jump on a song and he did Uh, Yeah, and Jamie from Polaris just like wrote us on Instagram one day like asking about some merch and thought his name looked familiar, familiar I found out it was, like, that Jamie. So it's just, like, uh, him like, if you want to be in a song at some point, And he did. And then they came by Copenhagen with Northlane. And we had him in the studio. And we uh, had Kim from Mull. He's actually, like, one of our really, really good friends. He, he actually did the artwork from... Uh, for of Rudd, a previous album, and he's also a great vocalist, so it kind of like just made a lot of sense to give him a spot on the album as well.
1: Oh, that that's just incredible to see uh, three bands like that that are so different from each other being able to guest on an album like this and really show off the diversity of sound that's going on.
5: Yeah, that's also like one of the most exciting parts about having these features is like, but on the last record, we had CJ from Die Out Murder and Philip from Humanity's Last Breath, which they, like, they made a lot of sense because they're, like, playing music that sounds a lot like us. But with these these other guys, like, tri- like neither Trivium, Polaris, or Mill sounds, in- like, anything like us. So it was really cool having these guys from, like, vastly different metal bands, like, adding their, like, flair to each song.
1: Oh, very much so. So um, with that in mind, I mean, being able to have guests like this on this album in particular, I mean, how hard was it being able to decide what singles were going to be released from the album before it came out? Uh, we had a lot of fights about that,
5: but I, I feel like uh, we just like tried to put us into like a listeners' place, like thinking about like, okay, which songs is like most easily digestible because like. A single is basically a promotion tool um to want to be able to like reach as many people as possible so we try to like yeah uh, just like figure out which of our songs would probably be the easiest to get into for somebody who doesn't know us and, like pick singles from that
1: yeah and that's actually a really smart way to go about it too and when you can get people hooked on those songs are that are the easiest to get into and then they check out the rest of the album and then they just have their exactly. mind explode about what's going on with the rest of the album
5: Exactly. And that's, that's the idea, just like trying to lure as many people in as you can with the singles, so they'll listen to the entire album. Oh,
1: totally. And I'm, I'm so glad that it did uh, turn out that way, too. because uh, from what I've been seeing online when it comes to the singles and everything that's going along with that, there seems to be so much great positive reception in this album, and I'm glad to see that.
5: Yeah, it really is. It's, it's super nice also because, like, making a sophomore album is just like, there's a lot more pressure now because we actually have people waiting for it. Like, actually have a fan base now. So it's just like really, really nice seeing that they actually like it.
1: Yeah. And again, that's another reason why I am so happy this is coming out uh, during these dark times that are going on right now. Because, again, like I mentioned before, I mean, it does sound like it's a great soundtrack to this doomsday feeling that's going on <laughs> in the world right now, and the fact that you were able to actually get some touring in uh, here in the States for the first time before all of this happened yeah. so what's what's happening now with you guys i mean now that everything's uh in quarantine
5: uh yeah like our release party for the album had to be moved so we were planning on like releasing the album on the 3rd of april and then having a release party on 10 but now we actually had to move it all the way into august just to make sure that it doesn't get canceled and like basically everything we planned like to do we had like a lot of cool stuff coming up this spring but everything is canceled and moved so right now it's just like for Focusing on getting the like getting ready for the release, and then just like preparing for what will hopefully be a really good autumn if everything has returned to normal.
1: Yeah, and I really hope that that does happen too for a multitude of reasons, but especially uh, in this case here, you know, uh, being able to promote the album in that live setting, and you know, just having that feeling of everything getting back to normal.
5: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Just like being able to do all the stuff I like doing.
1: Oh, absolutely! I mean, it's such a strange feeling of uh, feeling like you can't go outside, and a a lot of sensationalism and a a a lot of (laughs) real things that are going on along with that too. I mean, from left, right, and center, just what what's going on in the world right now? I never thought we would live through something like this. No, it's kind of wild. Like I think it's
5: the first like global pandemic that's been maybe ever because like we had like pandemics and, and we had like the spanish flu and stuff like that around i think it was like around world war one but that's like mostly in europe from what i've like read so also, but now we have like us flying like the world is so connected that shit like this spreads all over the world now so this was like a new situation for everybody nobody's been in this situation before
1: yeah and you know, thankfully, with uh, technology and the way that we do have things now, we are able to connect to so many people, our uh, friends and family, and uh, in your case, uh, be, uh, the fans, and being able to stay connected with them. Uh, you know, like uh, through releasing the album and you know everything going forward. So at, at least we're not completely in the dark with each other.
5: Oh, that's nice that we have that. At least it also like allows a lot of people to keep the job and like work from home, and even though there's like there is like. Serious serious economic consequences amongst, like, other bad things, but, like, luckily a lot of people can, like, sustain themselves that way.
1: Oh, very much so. I, I know, uh... Uh, people, both uh, family and friends, that are thankfully able to work from home to be able to do their things, and uh, other people that are uh, essential workers that are uh, working, uh, like in uh, grocery stores and hospitals that are uh, dealing with this stuff going on every single day. And, you know, it's again, it's just, it, yeah, after all of this happens, the repercussions of what can happen worldwide, you know, it's just, it's a horrible thing to think about, but you know, in the meantime, as long as we can just try to be safe and sound, and just uh, hopefully being able to get out of this on the other side is uh, the first mission.
5: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I, I believe that we'll get through this and, like, return to some semblance of normal and not, not too long, but...
1: Uh. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd like to believe that as well, too, and I really hope that that... Uh, does happen, you know, relatively soon, you know, all things considered and, you know, just getting back to that uh, at least somewhat normal again, but yes. at least until then we got some amazing music that's been coming out in 2020 and you know, next week, again, with uh, uh, with Cabal being able to release Drag Me Down through Long Branch Records, I mean, this album almost feels like essential listening right now to, like, m- match so many emotions that's going on in the world right now and, you, you know, again, yeah. Despite everything that's going on, I'm glad to see that this is still coming out and still being able to be there for fans both new and old.
5: Yeah, I'm glad too. It's just like it would so horrible if we didn't get to release it because of all of this. Like, I know that's like a like, first world problem, but still, like it means a lot to us that we still get to do this and that we hopefully get to play some shows again in not too long.
1: Oh, very much so. And, you know, I'm hoping that that happens for you and, of course, uh, everyone else in the music scene that's going on as well, too. You, you know, it's just, it's just amazing to see it how many people are affected by all of this, and when all of this does eventually go away. I mean, that feeling of being able to go back and go to shows again, play shows again, it's going to be such an incredible feeling.
5: Yeah, you really get to, like, uh, yeah, to see what you're missing out on. Like, you really, like, start to appreciate all the shit that you just, like, kind of took, took for granted, but just, like, stuff that seems normal, like, that you can't do now. It's just, like, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely, but... Yeah. And, you know, just again, you know, going back full circle with this again, you know, it's like I am so happy to see this thing come out. I mean, you know, from start to finish, it is such a great album to listen to. And the fact that it has been uh, worked on for a couple years now and, uh, you know, the fact that it is finally coming out next week through such a great record label as Long Branch Records and, you know, just seeing everything go along that way. I'm I'm looking forward to see what's going to be happening in the future as long as everything gets back to normal with you guys. Guys and you know being able to come back over here to the states and being able to hit new areas that you weren't able to hit the first time like uh my area i'd love to be able to see you guys uh make it to my area next time and you know Which just uh, be able to uh minnesota oh
5: yeah no we weren't in minnesota actually that's true oh you I were yeah yeah we weren't in minnesota that's actually true but we'd love to come by at some point
1: Oh, I, I didn't realize it actually hit Minnesota. I'd, like, I was looking for yeah, I, tour dates, and I actually I didn't see did, it.
5: I don't think we hit Minnesota.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah, but, yeah, just like I was saying, I, I hope that that does happen again, because I just imagine that you guys put on such a killer live show.
5: We try, at least try to bring, like, a lot of energy into our shows. Um, just like to move around a lot and be engaging with the crowd, be like in what's it called, like the same, that eye hide or eyesight, just like it'll be in your face and like still inviting like people to participate.
1: Oh, very cool. And yeah, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to that as well too and just uh, you know, everything getting back to normal like that and you know, I think that's a, a good note to end on as well too. Uh, thank you so much for uh, taking this time you know, uh, a busy day on your end but uh, thank you very much for taking the time to be able to do this, talk about this uh, brand brand new album coming out next week through Long Branch Records I love this thing and it was great to be able to talk to you about it uh, the state of the world right now and everything that's going on in your world right now
5: yeah it's a pleasure being being on the show man
1: oh not a problem uh, before we wrap things up is there anything else you'd like to mention that have not brought up
5: yet uh no I'd just like to tell everybody to make sure to listen to our new album and buy it if you have the money for it these days
1: of the show and the second hour of the show you just got done here in cabal with the title track off their brand new album drag me down which is coming out this friday through long branch records and before that was my interview with andres of cabal and before that was cabal with better friend off the 2020 album drag me down coming up now is my third and final interview for the show this week and it's been a while since i have not interviewed a musician this man is arguably one of the biggest reasons why we still have metal today, Mr. Michael Alago, to talk about his brand new book, I am Michael Alago, which is available now through Backbeat Books. In this interview we talk about how he got started in music, his documentary, his recovery, what he's doing now in life and so much more. But before we get into the interview, I obviously gotta play the band that he's most known for bringing to the map, Metallica. And I chose the 1984 album Ride the Lightning and the song Fade to Black. And that'll be right before my interview with Michael Olanjo. And following that will be a band that he says that he actually got a record label for that I've checked out and I actually pretty much dig. A band known as Ether Cover and their song of bitterness and shame off the 2020 album Everything's Temporary Except Suffering. mind a couple years back you were able to do a documentary about your life so uh, within a mind where did the idea come from to be able to transcribe more of it into a book
3: okay well um, I didn't put the documentary together and can I curse oh absolutely Yeah, Uh, not that I like to, I was trying not to curse in 2020, but it's inevitable. Um, So, yeah, there was a documentary put together by Stone Films NYC. That's Drew Stone and our producer, Alex. Uh, Drew approached me about doing a documentary of my life. Um, We met at the Misfits in around 1998. He was managing a little band called Sub-Zero. Misfits were going to Spain. He wanted to know if Sub-Zero could open up. Jerry only said yes. So we all wound up going to Spain. All I ever remember about Spain is beers and drinking. Well, beers, drinking, fighting. That's all I remember. <laughs> Fast forward, um, Drew and I wound up seeing each other at a cro gig, and um, he wanted to set up a lunch, and um, he just thought my life was interesting, and uh, he wanted to know if uh, he can make a documentary about me. So I had never thought about that before, but then, you know, my ego took over a little bit, and I thought, well, this sounds like an interesting idea. So we started the documentary on a very small Kickstarter budget, and um, it took almost, uh, I guess, almost three years, and, uh, and it, you know, I didn't, if we were going to spend all that time together, I didn't want it to be like a metal movie or just a music movie, because if you're going to start talking about my life, we need to talk about the music, the addiction, the recovery, the the health issues, and that you know, like I'm perfectly fine now. And it all, you know, in talking about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which we have heard over and over again, it would have been a cliche if I died, but I didn't die. So it's okay to talk about all those things. And, you know, the movie wound up coming out really good, and all all the artists that I had worked with at different points in my career John Lydon, Cindy Lauper, Metallica uh, uh, Rob Zombie um, they all just said yes when Drew asked them if they wanted to participate in the film and you know that's like a blessing and I'm so grateful that I was never on any kind of bad footing with any of those artists even when we all stopped working together um, we still you know either remain friends or you know on a professional level, we were always professional with each other, so that came out and uh, the minute it went on Netflix in 2017 it, it went global and people started freaking out and they loved the film fast forward uh, it's 2020, oh, about almost three years since the film's been out and Netflix renewed us again till at least September 2020 and because they've got such great response to the movie and not only that, uh Uh, It just got added to Amazon Prime video so people can see it in, in various places on demand and so on um, the book came about because a little company called Backbeat Books, one word, Backbeat Books um, approached me and wanted to know if I had more stories and of course you know you can't tell every single story in about 80 minutes so you talk about the, the real highs and the real lows in the film and um, so I did have more stories to tell so I said yes um, because I have a crazy scatter brain and i remember only half of my life um an old friend of mine laura davis channon um helped me write the book uh we gathered all of my journals from when i was growing up from 15 to when i was uh, like a minute ago and um So all those journals were very informative and kind of triggered my brain um, to write the book. I dictated a lot to Laura. She finessed a lot of things so that it would come out in my voice. Um, And I don't know, that's... How it all happened. <laughs> and so now, I'm sorry. So now the book's about to come out. Um, it's called I Am Michael Alago, Breathing Music, Signing Metallica, Beating Death. It's available for pre order on Amazon. And the street date is March 25th. How's that for a mouthful?
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely incredible. Okay, there you go.
3: Yeah. yeah and, okay, and, are we done? Oh, oh. I'm uh, just I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Hello? Sarcasm. Oh, uh, go ahead. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's for right, me all good. completely. But uh, but uh, a no. little humor, a little humor never hurt anyone. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I was just gonna say, I mean, I I love the fact that uh, the documentary is in uh, different places to be able to check out now. The fact that it is on Amazon Prime, that it did get renewed on to Netflix, and being able to see your life in all of these different formats. I mean, whether sure. you're looking at the rise of uh, all these different artists, whether you're looking in written form with this new book, or in uh, in a, in a film. I mean, it's amazing to see that you have been a part of so many different works of art over the years now. Oh,
3: well, thank you so much. I was, uh, um, I've was, i been a very hard worker my whole life and thank God it proved to work out for me. <laughs>
1: yeah and again, you know it's just like when i'm I was reading the book and just like seeing all these different stories about all these different people that you've been able to work with and everything that's been a part of your life. I mean, I one thing that I truly do appreciate is uh, the versatility that you have for what you enjoy in music. I mean, it's not just one thing that you're that you like. you're able to help oh, with gosh, so many yeah. other great musicians.
3: Uh-huh. Uh Well, you know, I uh, started listening to music at a very young age. I watched a lot of, um, back then in the 70s, there was music television, like American Bandstand, Midnight Special, Soul Train. All of those stations had such a variety of music that was being played, from, you know, the Charlie Daniels Band, to Todd Rundgren, to David Bowie, to Aretha Franklin, to, I don't know, tons of R&B artists. And that plus 77 WABC AM radio just informed my listening at a very, very young age. And that wide variety of music just kind of stuck with me. And I wound up just loving all sorts of music because I was able to hear a lot of different things at a young age. Um, I don't know, is that what you just asked me?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, Well, uh, kind of going back back and forth with that uh, stream of consciousness, but uh, yeah, I mean, I love the fact that you were able to grow up with all these different kinds of music and, you know, get other forms of music off the ground. I mean, uh, of course, uh, you know, of course, right on the title of the book, I mean, the fact that you were able to help Metallica reach uh, make a stardom from where they were and all these different other great heavy artists as well.
3: Sure. Um, well, you know, like I said, I loved all types of music. So in the 70s, I discovered a newspaper that came out weekly called The Village Voice, and in The Village Voice there was music, art, theater, porn and politics. I could have cared less about politics as a teenager but I loved all those other things and me and my friends were all just curious about music so in that music section it was the beginning of like punk rock and CBGB was an extraordinary place and Max's Kansas City was an incredible place up on Park Avenue South and they also booked a wide variety of types of music from suicide and the Misfits to the Dead Boys and at one point there was the British invasion of punk rock that came in that Hilly Crystal who owned CBGB's brought into town like X-Ray Specs, Eddie and the Hot Rods, uh, Penetration, The Damned. One, one weekend there was The Damned and The Dead Boys opening up and I was in heaven because I went all three nights, saw all of the sets and like to me that was just exactly what I wanted to do with my life. I wanted to be where the music was and um, I knew I wanted to be in the music business but I didn't play an instrument and I just, I didn't know what that meant to a teenager, like what does that mean being in the music business so I just continue to love music and go out and go to concerts and see everyone from Lou Reed and Todd Rundgren to Brian Ferry and Patti Smith and the Ramones and, 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 and Suicide, one of my all time favorite bands um, and I, I just like I said, I was just in love with music. And as I grew just a little older, I didn't have any other plan, and I was still determined to be in music by business, but I didn't know what that meant. So this is a little long-winded, but so we're going to fast forward to 1980. I was going to the School of Visual Arts. I was working in a pharmacy in the East Village. I was taking lunch one day, and I walked down East 11th Street. There was a beautiful art Echo building there. It had been closed for a long time. It was a Spanish dance hall called Casa Galicia. So I saw a sign on the door that said video club opening and me being the curious person that I am, I think, oh, video club opening. Now keep in mind it's 1980 and it's the very beginning of MTV. Okay. So I walk into the building and I'm looking around and it's so beautiful because it's like everything the, the design was 1920 Art Deco. Um, there was a man in the balcony, and uh, I always like I've been telling this story a lot recently. And I was like, the, the it was. He was in the balcony, and he was like, "Kid, what do you want?" And I said, "Well, I, you just there's a sign on the door that says video club opening." He said, "Well, do you have a resume?" I said, "No, I don't have a resume. I go to school and I work part time in a pharmacy." And he found some humor in that. I don't know what, but he found humor in it. So he invited me up to his office. His name is Jerry. Brandt. I did not realize he was um, really this entrepreneur that used to work with Sam Cooke and Muhammad Ali and discovered Carly Simon. He had a club in the 60s called The Electric Circus that was also in the East Village on St. Mark's Place. And here I am talking to this man about music, all kinds of music, from the great American songbook from back in the day to what was going on in the New York underground scene and what was happening on radio. Well, we had a really great great conversation and at the end of that he just said to me you know kid I'm going to give you a job you're going to open my mail you're going to go get my lunch and you're going to answer my phone and I was in awe I was like in my head I would say oh my god I think I'm in the music business and you know what I was 19 and it was the beginning it was the germ that yes I was in the music business so I did all that stuff for Jerry but I, I was like a sponge I carefully listened to all of his phone calls And all of his phone calls were with booking agents, talking to booking agents about artists that we were going to have at the club the Ritz everybody knows it now is Webster Hall um and it holds about i don't know 1500 seats or so so i would very carefully listen to jerry uh make deals with these booking agents and about a year or so later i got the knack of what was going on and how to speak to the agents and the kind of money that was being offered depending on a ticket price and i did that for 3 years and um, well, we're not really fast-forwarding, so I did that for three years, and I kind of still thought there's, a, there's more out there, but what's more? So I was going out with somebody named Mitchell, and he said to me, you know, my, my dad's leaving Warner Brothers, and he's going to restart Electra Records. Electra had been in the crapper with previous management, and Bob Krasnow was going to re-up Electra. So, Mitchell got me an interview with his father, and I met Bob, and we started talking. We had that same conversation that I had with Jerry Brandt. And if you don't know Jerry Brandt, Brandt is B-R-A-N-D-T. I had that same conversation with Jerry. Bob and I talked, again, about the Great American Songbook, about contemporary music, but the added... Part of that conversation was that Bob was an art naven. So we started talking about the East Village art scene. Everybody who was up and coming, Jean-Michel Basquiat, Keith Haring, Robert Longo, Richard Hambleton, all of these artists and i think he was and it's not like to toot my own horn or anything but i think he was impressed that i knew about a wide variety of things as well so we had our meeting we shook hands and uh, he said i'll give you a call and so in about two weeks he gave me a call and he said you know michael I liked our interview, and I'm going to give you a job, and you're going to be in the A&R department. And I thought, wow, I'm going to work for a major corporation. The only thing was, I had no idea what a r meant. So <laughs> I had to ask friends of mine. They laughed in my face, and they said, hey, Michael, A&R stands for Artist and Repertoire. Very soon, I learned that A&R is the most important part department of a record company if you don't have great artists and you don't have great records you got nothing and soon one would not have a job if you didn't know how to find great artists and make great records so again i was a sponge i learned very quickly bob krasnow our chairman was very kind to let me sit in on his phone calls with Publishers, lawyers, managers, musicians, and again, I learned a lot from listening to Bob. And pretty soon, Bob was telling all those people go see Michael Alago, call Michael Alago. And I learned very quickly it was like um, on the job training period.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's just incredible. I mean, the fact that you were able to line up both of those interviews like that and just, you know, just being yourself, being able to get your way from wanting to be in the music mm-hmm. industry to being in sure. R2 Electric Records and, uh, Electra. Uh, yes. uh, yeah. Electra. Yeah. And just all, all these things is just incredible, you know, just with, the, you know, just the wanting to be a part of it and actually making that happen, just like putting that, that, Uh, power forward to push yourself to do that
3: Mm -hmm. well you know i always think that you know that the universe provides and if you have something that you are determined to do and you can and you just have that focus it could happen and you know I didn't plan on these meetings. Um, They happened because I was curious, I was determined, and it was all about music. So once I had these um, interviews, I just put my best foot forward. I spoke about what I felt like I knew, and it impressed those two senior executives. And that's how I got my jobs. And, you know, uh, I wound up working at record companies for almost, I don't know, 22 23 24 years and um, it was magic it was incredible and it was the job that i didn't know i wanted specifically but it was the job that i was meant to have
1: and you know when when you finally started getting your feet wet into it and sure. you were really starting to uh, get into the a and r side i mean what did that start to feel like knowing that you got that far that you were finding this talent to be able to bring to electra
3: Well, I was grateful. I was... Excited! I was young, and uh, you know, I I I got a corner office with a great view of uh, uh, I think it was down Fifth Avenue. And I put lots of art and photographs on my wall, and I thought, Wow, this is really cool. This is really cool. So every day, my assistant Tony and I. At one point, I had uh, this woman named Tony Quirk and another time, I don't remember which was which, at which time each of them were in my life. Keith Gildow They were both marvelous people. They both knew my personality to a T. So in the early days, prior to the internet and all this stuff, um boxes of cassettes came in for me to listen to. Um, Part of the way I did my job was Tony and I investigated music magazines from all across the United States, London, Germany, Toronto, Montreal, and we got all those publications. And Tony knew stylistically what I liked listening to, everything from singer-songwriters to heavy metal. And we we just started clipping music sections of newspapers and magazines out of uh, everything we acquired. And, you know, we'd look at stuff and go, oh, this sounds really interesting. And we'd call people just out of the blue. And it was all very innocent and all very... um, like a trial and error, cut and paste, I don't know. And uh, that's the beginning of how I did my job. Now, oh, for almost that 22, 23, 24 years, I did listen to lots of music. And in listening to lots of music, there's a lot of rotten stuff. But you can't be unkind to people. So a lot of those not-so-good <laughs> cassettes or independent vinyl, take um, out a form letter back. You know, basically a thank you. It's not for me or Electro Records, but good luck with whatever you do. And then there are very few that are great because there was a lot of good music, but you can't sign good. If you signed good, you'd be in a pile of good artists. You'd be spending the company's money to the nth degree. And you just, it's just not how it works. You can't sign good. So you gotta deal with great. Thank God I innately put my finger on the pulse of what was great. And um, once I knew what I had to do as an A and R person, it, it, I don't know. It just, I just, it just, uh, it all wound up just working out beautifully for me. So, did I answer? Did I answer your question, or did I go on for too long?
1: no, no I. Uh, I love that I mean I love being able to get that insight into it and you know just like stand instead of just the standard answer you know just like going in depth like that I absolutely love it when you go into it like that okay so, with that in mind, I mean, obviously with uh, being able to uh, find the music that is worthy of being on Electra and music that you enjoy, what was that mm-hmm. like for you to be able to start going to shows again? I mean, did you feel like you had to be in business mode all the time, or were you able to shut it off and actually enjoy the show?
3: Um, well, that's a, that's a really good question, because I was always a fan. And so, you know, as a fan everyone knew i was an executive at electro records um and i just you know from an early teenager you know 15 16 i never stopped going to shows but now it was on a professional level that i had to go see artists all the time and it was always fun it was always great it was always a drunken affair and um yeah i don't know where else to go with this answer It was just always wonderful, because I loved artists, I loved music, and I loved live performances. And uh, that's why you and I are talking right now.
1: Oh, absolutely. So again, thinking about that, I mean, obviously from uh, going into the 70s and, you know, being a part of seeing all these great acts, you know, going into CBGBs and everything that was going forward, what was it like to see the musical evolution that was going on between the 70s and then going into the 90s?
0: Sure. It
3: obviously was all very different. In the 70s, I was constantly at CBGB. It was my home away from home. I got to hear an incredibly diverse group of artists in their very early form. The Ramones, television, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers, Patti Smith. Uh, uh, Like I said, then the British invasion of bands came over. Um, It was extraordinary. It was enlightening. And it was like a wide, like I said earlier, it was a wide variety of music that I was getting to experience. Um, And then, you know, the 80s came along and there were all kinds of hard rock and metal bands. I never gravitated towards the hair bands that were more pop oriented. For some reason I always loved my music heavy. I loved the noise, I loved the, the attitude, and So, you know, like when when all these Sunset Boulevard, the Sunset Strip-type bands on the West Coast were starting to happen, it did nothing for me whatsoever. I was loving the down and dirty stuff or the stuff that was even more um, uh, thought-provoking, like a Voivod, like a Creator. um, And uh, as we moved forward a little bit, like, you know, Metallica and Megadeth and uh, definitely Slayer, one of my all-time big bands, um, so it was just extraordinary because I had to be out there as a professional and as a fan I always wanted to be out there so the two things merged beautifully and what I had to learn to do was to make art and commerce work because you know part of being a Time Warner of course is the bottom line and you have to sell records and I was very determined to do a great job and to sell records um, so so it was extraordinary you know from the 70s to the 90s what was going on and uh, like i said most of the time i was listening to hard rock and metal um although in the interim of what, that i wouldn't call public image limited you know john lydon's band hard rock or heavy metal they were hard they were alternative they were different um and he always had a point of view and i just thought he was one of the more extraordinary characters in rock and roll rock and roll i love john and it at one point, I was assigned to work with Tracy Chapman. Our chairman uh, signed her. He wasn't—he didn't have time to a and r any records. So I got appointed Tracy, and it was a wonderful experience working with this singer-songwriter who had so many songs inside of her that she needed to get out. Um, and she made that extraordinary first album that had that song "Fast Car" on it. Um, I talk—I think I talk about that record in my book a little. So that's really all I, I should say about that right now.
1: Oh, Oh, yeah. And I was just about sure. to bring up that part, too, about uh, how you got with Tracy Chapman on there, too. But, you know, again, it's just, I like I mentioned in the beginning, I love the fact that you were able to work with someone like Tracy Chapman and work with Metallica and, you know, just like uh, showing off all these different kinds of music. So when you were doing the a work for these different types of musicians, did you notice anything at all about, like, the professionalism from, like, a metal band compared to, like, a soul singer to uh, pop? Or anything like that.
0: Well, of course, the
3: approach is very different whether I'm talking to James Hetfield or Tracy or John Lydon or Cindy Lover, you know. And I had to, you know, like I just kind of knew how to navigate each type of artist, and uh, it takes a lot. But because I love such a wide variety of artists, I just kind of knew how to talk to each of those artists so that um, they understood me and that we would have a great, uh, always have a great dialogue about music
1: on. Again, that that's incredible, and I love the, the fact that you were able to adapt so quickly with all these different types of musicians because people are so different, and approaching them differently sure. is so important to be able to get on their good side, make sure that you understand those connections that are going on, and the fact that you're able to pick it up like that and learning it on the job as well too. I mean, that's just incredible to hear.
0: Well, I paid attention,
3: <laughs> like I said, I was a sponge, and um, everything. It just wound up working out beautifully. Oh,
1: absolutely. So, uh, to change it up a little bit, I mean, obviously, uh, there's a lot of ground to cover when it comes to music, but I also love the fact that You were able to uh, go from the excess that can happen uh, in the music industry, and you were able to uh, reinvigorate yourself and become a better person on the other side. I mean, I always find when a story like that happens, when you uh, are having those troubles in any way—I mean, uh, be it substance, be it mental health, be it uh, anything that's going on—you know, just uh, being able to go from those moments and you know, change your life for the better. I mean, when you're looking back on that, and you tell stories, I mean, be it in the documentary, be it in the book, uh, or to other people. I mean, what's it like to look back on that and see where you are now?
0: Well, it's very
3: interesting. <laughs> I'm glad uh, and I'm grateful that I had all those
0: experiences,
3: some of them good, not so good. You know, it was always fun going out drinking with all the guys in, in metal bands, and uh, uh, but drinking... And drugging only works to a point. And then when you know you have an addictive personality, at some point it just turns on you. And that's exactly what happened. I drank and drugged to excess and it turned on me. And at some point I knew I had to get clean and sober. Um, I got clean and sober originally at 32 years old. Um, But I I only went to rehabilitate rehab in Minneapolis because my boss asked me to or he was going to fire me. Now, I had my dream job, but I was acting up, and I was rude, and I was a no-show, and uh, I worked for a big organization, Time Warner, and they couldn't have that. So I did go to rehab. I went to a 30-day program uh, in Hazleton in uh, Minnesota, and uh, when I came out, I still had a bad attitude because they told me I had to stop drinking, and never mind that, you know, I still had to go out every night, and everybody was drinking, and everybody put out their corporate card so it was a struggle and i remained what they called dry for eight years so from 32 to 40 i didn't drink but i had a bad attitude still about things um but i was showing up and i was doing my job i was just unhappy because i didn't learn anything like when they said in your 30-day program you need to start going to a 12-step meeting you need to fix your life and i just didn't listen so at 40 years old somebody asked me if i wanted to to drink, and I said yes. From 40 to 47 were the worst years of my life. I wound up in jail. I wound up in crack dens in New Orleans and don't know how I got there. I wound up in St. Vincent's Hospital on numerous occasions because I thought my heart was going to stop. And you know what? None of that kept me from stopping. I was HIV positive. I was taking my HIV medications with vodka. Doctors definitely don't recommend that. Um, And um, so one day, finally, I was like a walking zombie and I said to myself I gotta stop right this minute I was 47 years old I decided, I didn't know how I decided I was in a fog, I was a zombie and I went to a 12 step meeting and um, it just took, I understood why people were going to these meetings because they were sick and tired of themselves and they wanted a new life and I didn't know I wanted a new life, I just wanted I just didn't want the old life anymore so I started going to 12-step meetings and I listened to people in the room and all those people in the room were there for the same reason. They wanted a new life. And so um, we're coming up on 13 years that I'm clean and sober. I wouldn't have it any other way. When you're clean and sober, you wind up showing up. You show up for yourself. You show up for your friends and family. You become a responsible person again. And that responsible person, people know they can rely on you. So I still go to my 12-step meeting every day, Monday to Friday at 9 o'clock in the morning. That sets my, after I wake up, I make my bed, I have my tea, I say my serenity prayer, I have a list of thank yous that I write down every day, and I head off to the meeting. Once I'm home at 10 a.m., 10, 10.30, I feel like I can tackle the world because I've learned so much going to these meetings and listening to other people who have struggled but don't want to struggle like that anymore. Period.
1: Again, that is just simply incredible, everything that you've went through oh. and now now well, going on you. here. Oh, of course. And just uh, seeing uh, now coming up on 13 years, being able to yes. be sober and uh, being able to keep that mentality going. I mean, it, it's incredible to see that because there's so many other people that either never find that reason to be able to uh, be sober or mm-hmm. uh, change their life for the better. And you actually were able to. You found it yourself to do that. And you made the change. And you were able to go uh, to the AA meetings and being able to do 12 steps and all of these things. And you know, it's just—it's so important because it takes yourself to want to make that change. And it was so great. Well, that initial
3: step is asking for help. And even though I had a bit of shame and fear about it, I knew that if I asked for help, I was going to get it, and I got it. And then after that, I just have to leave it up to God and the universe and the 12 step room that I'm in. And I have listened a lot and I've shared a lot. And you know, when you have that kind of camaraderie in a room like that, because we're all there for the same reason, you listen, you learn and you grow from just those experiences. So you could take those experiences out into the world and just be a better person, you know? And for me, you know I've always loved people so you know I show up for my entire life I show up you know my mom passed two years ago but I showed up for her life when she was dying I show up every day for my sister when she wants and needs me and wants to go somewhere together um because she's the only person I have in my family anymore on my mom's side is my sister so you know like I said your life just changes when you go into recovery and know that you want it and um i don't know like you know i remember seeing a mural on a wall and down in soho and it was about six feet high and it, it was like if you were in a like In school and you were writing on a chalkboard because the only thing it said on the mural was I can do anything and it just said that about 30 times so I took a picture of it it kind of became a mantra for me and I do believe that I could do anything now sometimes anything doesn't happen the way you want it to happen but you know what a version of that happens and like you know there was that Rolling Stones song you can't always get what you want but you get what you need and that's the absolute truth you may not get exactly what you want that you've been asking for but a version of that can happen for you and that version was probably the only thing you needed anyway so I'm grateful that for that and I'm grateful for all the experiences that I've had because it's kind of made me a better person
1: oh again I just I find that so truly inspiring and I'm oh, able to translate thank
3: you so much
1: oh of course and I'm able to translate a, a bit of that into my own life I mean when I was growing up uh, I wanted nothing more to be in a band and be able to tour and make music, but uh, mm. you know, through different life changes and things like that, I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm on the other side. I'm talking to bands now, I'm interviewing bands, I'm being able to That's talk wonderful. to you about like this, and you know, it's like I'm, I'm not in a band, and I haven't been in a band in quite a long time, even though I still try to play drums when I have the chance, but I still get to be a part of music. I still get to show off these great bands that I care about, these great artists, these great people involved in music, and just being able to tell their stories. Being able to share their music, their struggles, everything that's going through them, and just show that good music and good people are out there. So just like sure. you were mentioning there, you know, it's just like it's not what I thought that I wanted, but I'm so mm-hmm. grateful to have it now.
3: Oh, that's wonderful. Sure.
1: Yeah. And, you know, again, just, you know, hearing that now and, you know, with uh, yourself now, I mean, uh, going through the other side of recovery and, you know, uh, looking at your life now. I mean, what is life like for you now? I mean, on this side of recovery, I mean, when you do wake up and you do your morning routines, I mean, what's it like to live in your world right now?
3: Well, let's see. Um Like I said, you know, I get up every day. I make my bed. I have my tea. I go to my twelve step meeting. And because of the success of the movie, I'm always talking to people all over the world about a lot of those issues. About music, about addiction and recovery, and sometimes health issues. And if they're suffering, and you know, I don't really give advice. I just let people know what my experience had been and how I changed my life. Um, And now that the book is coming out. Um, the release date is uh, March 25th, I get to talk to people like you. So, you know, like today I'm going to probably do four interviews. So that's what my day is like these days, just doing interviews and uh, now unfortunately since we're dealing with this coronavirus um, I'm not doing in, in the in-person readings uh, or signings, readings at the at the moment, but I'm sure all this will pass uh, so we just have to listen to our health professionals out there and uh, keep your hands
1: Oh yes, and yeah, I was gonna uh, bring that up towards the end too. You know, it's just like it's it's very sad to see that uh, those uh, meet and greets were uh, unfortunately uh, po- at least postponed. To be able to, uh, yes, get, postponed. Get, That's yeah. right. Yeah. And you know, just, uh, it's amazing the way that this, uh, just came over in the last week and just seeing all of these bands that were going to be on tour or on tour, they were, they had to drop everything they were doing and go back to their respective homes and just have to wait this all out. I mean, it's incredible to see what's going on in the world
3: right now. Oh, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy, but it's very, very serious. As we know, we're learning about this virus every day as we go on. Um, There's a great doctor, Anthony Fauci. Uh, I've known about him for about 40 years. He's an extraordinary uh, doctor and he just knows about everything. So when he talks, I listen.
1: Yeah, and that is what's so important too. I mean, when you find those people that actually know what they're talking about when it comes to something like this and you're able to find them like Fauci, being able to, uh, you know, like studying up on something like this and knowing what's going to be best for us. I mean, yeah, it's it's unfortunate right now that we do have to stay inside and avoid human contact and yes. all of these different things. But if we can come out on the other side, we're going to be so much more grateful.
3: Well, that's what we hope. When we, when we do come out on the other side, uh, maybe we'll be a, a, a greater, kinder person from all of this, hoping that humanity... Um, my brain just stopped you know you know we can just cut that part out i guess all i'm saying is that once we get past this virus and we know what it is and how health professionals are dealing with it maybe it will all maybe that scare will help us all be better people to each other period oh,
1: that would be incredible if that does happen i mean i know i'm much more fortunate uh, about my life right now because of all these things that are going on because well it's well, that, wonderful yeah i'm yeah because uh, i know there's people out there with uh, autoimmune problems that are scared for their lives right now just in case uh they come into contact with anyone with that going on and you know it's uh, actually my nephew is one of them as well he has cystic fibrosis and i'm scared okay. for him every day where uh, if if he gets that uh, there's a very good chance that he could die if uh, the second he gets it so you know it's just like i know there's many people out there with all of that and it i'm so much more grateful for my life now because again w- when we come through this on the other side and we're able to reestablish things and uh, go about our world the way that we used to Hopefully, mm-hmm. like you said, it's all for the better and we all become yes. better
3: people. One would hope for sure. Yes. <laughs>
1: Uh, So, uh, trying to bring things back a little bit, uh, musically, of course, uh, when you were a part of Electro Records and so many uh, great bands that uh, we know today, what do you think of music nowadays? I mean, do you still check out new music, or uh, do you just listen to Sure, I I go
3: out all the time. I'm still not a fan of top 40 music, but uh, I know there's a great big world out there that loves that. I still love my music harder. (laughs) m <laughs> recently a year ago um, I heard about a band from South Florida called Ether Coven and uh, a cousin of mine said my next door neighbor has a son like I haven't heard that for 30 years <laughs> and he's in a band I heard their record and it happened to be extraordinary it was an independent release called There Is Nothing Left For Me Here it was bombastic it was m- majestic it was brutal so I heard the music, I went down to see them in Florida, I liked them and I sang I'm gonna help you out. So I helped them out. Got him a deal with Century Media. Their new record just came out called cool. There is uh, Everything Is Temporary Except Suffering. We got Mark Ratan from I mean, I'm sorry, excuse me. Eric Rattan, from Morbid Angel, to produce the album. And um, that was my little share in helping a band get on a label. So, yeah, I'm always out there. I'm always listening to new things. And um, it's my life. That's not going to end going to hear new music. You
1: know, with that in mind, I mean, you know, with uh, with the... Uh, attachment that you have to Metallica, I mean, so much uh, with sure. it being on your book. I mean, what was it like when you discovered a band like Metallica and they were so fast, so heavy at the time? Sure. And then sure. the more extreme metal started to come out, like uh, the black metal, the death metal, the grindcore. What was your take on that?
3: Um, well,. Um, yeah, you know, I have to wrap this up, I think, soon, because oh, sure. I think I've missed my 5.30, but I didn't hear anybody call. Anyway, not, not to be rude or anything. Oh, sure. Um, well, you know what? When I heard Metallica was in 82, I was still at the Ritz. I went to L'Amour in Brooklyn with my friend Phil Cavano. He is in Monster Magnet, but he wasn't in Monster Magnet then. He was in a little band called Shrapnel, and we freaked out. Because remember, Metallica were doing something that was so different. They were combining British heavy metal, traditional hard rock, speed, and I would even I would dare to say a little bit of punk in this one thing that they made Metallica, and that they made their very own. Nobody else was doing that. Fast forward to 1983, I see them at the Stone in San Francisco. They blew my mind. I thought James was a ringleader. He was an incredible front man, incredible charm, incredible charisma, and I thought, love these guys. I give Lars my business card, and um, I know that they're on a little label called Megaforce, but in my heart, I believed that Megaforce were an incredibly creative label, but they were totally independent and didn't have the funds to take them where I I could take them at Time Warner. So in summer of 1984, they were part of a triple act bill with Raven and Anthrax. They played Roseland on West 52nd Street. And that was the night that changed everything. That night, Raven got signed to Atlantic, uh, Anthrax got signed to Island Records, and I signed the talent. Now that signing, well, prior to that, so Megaforce were not happy with me, but our business affairs talked to their business affairs. uh, A financial deal was struck and everybody walked away happy. Now, that signing really changed the face of hard rock and heavy metal. At that point, all the other A&R people wanted their own version of Metallica. That wasn't going to happen, because something like that doesn't happen too often. But there were other great bands coming out in that time period as well. Um, So, you know, I always knew from the get-go that they were going to be huge, and uh, we supported them and Electra, and to their rise, uh, and I don't want what to tell you, the rest is history. I've said it millions of times in my book and in my movie, and um, it was just an extraordinary signing, and it put me on the map as well, and that's why we're talking again today. <laughs>
1: welcome back to the end of the show you just got done here in the band ether coven with of bitterness and shame off the 2020 album everything is temporary except suffering and before that was my interview with the legendary michael olago and before that was metallica the biggest band that michael olago got signed and helped keep metal alive with the song fade the black of course off the 1984 album ride the lightning and that does it for the show this week thank you so very much for tuning in and checking out my interviews at Pure Reason Revolution, Cabal, and Michael Lago. Tune in next week for two hours of the best and heavy music today. Go check out ThatDrummerGuy.com for everything that drummer Guy, including that Guy's Song of the Day up on Spotify, my weekly series, Backwards Marathon, and this week, checking out my 10 favorite albums of 2019, in the first quarter. And until next week, this is that drummer guy saying. See ya. This has been my show as that drummer guy. Tune in next week for another two hours of the best and heavy music today. Check out the show on Apple Podcast, Castbox, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Spreaker, Spotify, and Tune In. For music submission, interview submission, or any other information for that drummer guy, email that drummer guy at that one drummerguy at gmail.com or that at gmail.com make sure to follow that drummer guy's social media facebook twitter instagram youtube and of course that drummer guy.com for all your drummer guy needs intro and outro music is provided by cloud kicker support cloud kicker at bandcamp dot that drummer guy is a creation of josh rockquist any other use of that drummer guy without consent is
0: prohibited all rights reserved until next time hang on there stay positive it's worth the fight